Hello, everybody. Um, just a quick disclaimer. Um, when we were talking about Chapter 2, we did mix up the names of Lord Jeddu and the High Preland area. So when we're talking about Lord Jeddu, we actually mean the High Preland. Um, we're sorry for the mistake, but we'll try our best to make sure nothing like this happens again. Thank you. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of The Keepers of the Book. I'm your host here, Maz, joined by my brother, Mutahir. Uh, this is technically our second episode, but really um, our first real episode, as this will be the episode where we finally get into the final empire. For this episode alone, we'll be going over a prologue to chapter two. Uh, so, Mutahir, what you got for the prologue? So, in a prologue, we're introduced to these people known as the Ska, who are like, uh, they seem to be these inferior race. Uh, they're enslaved by people higher than them. Um, and we see one of these people, his name is Tresting. Uh, he rules over them. And it's pretty clear that he answers to somebody above him, but we are not really sure who that person is. Well, we know it's the Lord Ruler. Like, he's the Emperor. They did say, like, the Lord Ruler. They mention it once or twice, but yeah. So that that is a higher power. But yeah, keep going. Um, and... We move over to this specific ska-like tribe sort of thing, um, and it's pretty clear that like even the higher up people of the ska are really like they don't really have anything to go off of. And this guy named Kel, he shows up, um, and he's like, "So you know this one guy who's ruling over you and enslaving you? Well, I just took his entire pantry, and here you go. Here's all his food." Um, and it's pretty funny how, like, Kel, he's kind of careless. He, like, gets the food. He just throws it on the ground in front of all these people who hasn't e who haven't even tried out the food in their life. But it was pretty interesting because Menace, the, guy, the older guy of the tribe, um, he kind of represented, like, the older part of the Ska who are really um, hopeful and stuff and hopeless. They're really hopeless. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, say, it's like, ooh, yeah. I don't think we read the same chapter. But yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, and he's lost all his hope to fight, to resist, and to rebel. And Kel is kind of the opposite of that because he's young. He wants to rebel. He's rebellious. He fights. And he's filled with the ambition. And he just wants to be free. And then Menace was like, uh, how do you smile? Like, how are you able to smile this much? And then Kel... <clears throat> Kel said, uh, <laughs> Kel, um, he was like, well, we can't really bend to the Lord Ruler's will, will, because you can tell what age group my brother's in. <laughs> we can't really bend to the, uh, Lord Ruler's will because we're just going to give him exactly what he wants to. So we have to rebel, we have to fight and resist. Um, and then later on we see this girl's being taken, um, to like the the main capital, I guess, of that part. I'm not really sure what it was, but she was being taken. And then later on, we see that Kel uh, was obviously the one that like burned down the entire place. Uh, it was pretty cool because like we just show up and it's all like in rubble and stuff. So reading this book again for the second time, I didn't really realize how dark this whole world actually is right like i wouldn't argue that it's grim dark like you know song of ice and fire series or first law but it's dark 
The first mm-hmm. sentence is, is uh, ash is falling ash from the sky out. <laughs> and, you know, like kind of take that for granted. But yeah, I'm sorry. I took it for granted the first time. And the second time, I'm like, you know, coming into it from a guy who's like, you know, never read it before. That kind of has to like really stick at home. And then I think the second chapter was also ash falling from the sky. And then there's talks that like, you know, they're chapter afraid. One was. Chapter one. Yeah. Chapter yeah. one also talked about ash falling from the sky. And I, uh, in the prologue, they also talked about the sky. We're very scared of the mist. So there's ash during the daytime, and then there's mist during the nighttime. I didn't really understand what that was, really. Was that like, um, will I learn that later? Absolutely. Every, this book, there's a lot of questions and then a lot of answers. And it's all, in my opinion, very satisfying. A couple things that I picked up from the prologue that maybe I didn't really notice as much the first time around was um how chinese style the economy is um you know one of the benefits of reading a book for the second time is you kind of pick up on come a little bit more of the nuanced details at least more earlier on than you would have the way that trusting describes that they don't actually own any of the workers themselves right like they're all leased from their god which is the lord ruler yeah so i mean that has to suck and i mean Obviously, 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 the Ska have it much worse than the Nobleman. But um, as we'll see later in Chapter 1, and I think probably even more in Chapter 2, the Nobleman don't exactly have the most Ska-free life either. They do have some restrictions. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would be a Nobleman or a Ska any day of the week. But uh, there are some complications that come with being a... I mean, it sounds like you're under Stalin, basically, right? Like, if you... If he doesn't like you, you know, off with your head and off with your family, all your wealth, everything's gone. Yeah. So as far as chapter one goes, um, chapter one jumps to a completely different character. Um, So it follows um, the point of view, third person, basically, of Vin. She seems to be like a thief. Young girl, can't really peg her age, but I mean, it's pretty fair to estimate she's probably in her mid-teens um so she's working with her crew leader Cameron. uh Cameron is a you know he they're basically bandits they scam noblemen they scam the government essentially to try and get money where they can but right off the bat um vin uses some of what she calls luck to soothe the emotions of one of the obligators to try and persuade him to uh, accept the scam a little bit more readily. There's not too much more that happens in this. Um, I do have some of the stuff written down. Uh, Oh, one more thing to note. If you are reading through this book for the first time, highly recommend, do not just skip over the beginning epigraphs, is what they're called, or at least that's what I think they're called at the beginning of the chapters there don't make the same mistake I made that that's what I made Um, I skipped them over and I I actually legitimately didn't even read them until maybe like halfway through the book I'm like oh my god these are actually pretty interesting Um, and then I went back and then actually read them after I finished the book but read them they are they're very interesting and then we'll see how many of you can piece together what it means Um, but yeah so chapter one there is talk of the trusting uh lord trusting's like you know his whole keep or whatever going up in flames essentially so yeah so lord trusting 
has died, and that's apparently put all of the obligators, the government, basically on higher alert. I mean, you know, it makes sense. All of a sudden, one of your noblemen, granted not your biggest nobleman, just his key basically explodes as the fears off the face of the earth. And I mean, to my understanding, he killed all the guards and everything. So that's obviously going to put everybody on high alert. One thing I did notice that the guy that they were dealing with, the obligator, the Laird or Laird, yeah, something like that. I really hated him a lot. And I didn't realize I hated him that much when I was first reading through the book. But, oh, my God, he is not a nice person. <laughs> you know, he um, he said something like, you know, bad knees. That That's very unfortunate for somebody who works in transportation. It's like, what, what is that supposed to mean, dude? Like, if he's a guy who owns a company, you know, it doesn't matter if he has bad knees that the company is transportation related. If I'm a guy who owns a trucking company and I have a bad back and I can't, driving a truck or whatever like doesn't mean that i'm the one in the truck but yeah that was and he and laird just kind of walks in he's like yeah i'm the boss he oh my god yeah come on he's he like or oh, whatever his name is come on he just he stands up in respect and Laird is like yeah whatever yeah <laughs> the way he walks in he walks in like doesn't even respond to a vow if from what i remember yeah he doesn't respond to a vow just completely just a high level of arrogance. Again, I, I'm, I'm surprised you picked up on that because when I first read it, you know, I don't pick up on some of these uh, minor details as much. He grabs like the drink from the waiter and he just kind of, you know, he doesn't even wave him off. Like, yeah, you can go. He just lets him stand there. It's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> so one thing I did notice was that Cameron for as like as bad of a guy as he is. And, you know, we can tell he's a bad guy, right? Like he, you know, he's beaten Vin probably much worse than that. Um, you know, has a very short temper. Uh, one thing I did notice, um, actually, let's go Let's go through the chapter summaries first. So that's basically chapter one. They uh, they scam Laird and Laird said, okay, the way that they did it actually was a camera said that, you know, we'll offer you a price so low that you can't refuse. And the price was so low that essentially he'd be breaking even. And you know, that raises eyebrows because it's like, you know, why are you in business if you're not even making a profit? And they said that they just want some form of stability. So after that stability, then they can start getting more contracts. But right now with the government, they just want a government contract to just get some stability. And then from there, they'll make profit. Obviously he's scamming. He doesn't have anything to offer, but Cameron's a smart dude. You know, he, he's done this for a while. It's obvious. Um, so chapter two starts off with Kelsier meeting up with a guy named Doxon. They seem to be pretty good friends. Um, it seems like they haven't seen each other in a while. Uh, can't, uh, as of um, chapter two, can't really tell how long that's been, but it seems like he's returned to the city after some time. So now, but then it, you know, jumps perspective back to Vin and Cameron is now talking to a different obligator this time. Uh, it was supposed to be Laird, but now he's talking to... Jude, Jedu, something like that. I'm, I honestly Lord Jedu, yeah. Yeah. And this guy seems even, like, if you thought, like, you were super nervous with Laird in the room, I felt like Jedu or Jude was, was so much worse. Like, uh, if any of you guys have not heard of it, check out graphic audio. There, It's like audiobooks, but with um, extra sound effects in the background, like thunder cracking and door slamming and, you know, wind howling and stuff like that. And they have different voice actors for each character. Uh, they really do a good job at like the, the tense scenes like this one. Uh, that I remember this one sticking out to me a lot. 
when I when I was listening to the graphic audio version. But anyway, so Kelsey and Doxon are just sitting in the room waiting, and they see that Vin use her luck and what they know as soothing uh, the High Prelin, who, which again is an, or I don't know if I've mentioned before, but that's one of the ranks of the Obligators, and. Kelsier and Doxon is uh they were kind of surprised by that because Kelsier said that um the obligators are trained to pick up on that. And so, you know, they leave. Vin knows that something's wrong. Like, uh and that's also one thing that you can tell that she's gone through a lot of crap. And again, goes back to what I was saying earlier about how the, sh- the book is so dark that a girl her age knows these things that knows like, you know, something's not right because, you know, that means she, you know, as a reader that she's been through a lot of crap, she's been through hell. She, they talk about her brother, which we'll get to in a second, but Vin realizes something's wrong. And so Jude, Jedu, God, I need to figure out how to pronounce his name. Um, He sets a steel inquisitor after to tail Kamen and Vin and, so Doxon is tasked with, uh, you know, getting rid of the obligator and then Kelsier is going to distract the Inquisitor. So that's basically the end of chapter two. But man, I, so one thing I can tell you right off the bat, Inquisitors, not great news. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I have never seen a description of a creature-esque thing so grotesque quite like a steel inquisitor it wouldn't even be a spoiler if you went out and look on google images where some fan art or what a steel inquisitor looks like and it's like who comes up with this kind of stuff <laughs> like the dude is, i mean it's not like a monster right it's a human-like figure so you know yeah. don't don't think it's like you know some grotesque you know monster with like 17 arms or something like that, that no it's like human-like figure but God, that's just Sanderson. You some messed up dude. But yeah, so Kamen. Uh, I remember. I think Vin said that you know Kamen didn't get this far as being a crew leader by not rolling the dice every now and then. By not, yeah, you know, gambling. Yeah, you got, you got, you got to take a gamble. And I mean, that life is so dangerous, anyways. And I think that they had said something like, you know, this life is not about when you're going to get caught for the ministry. It's, or it's not if, it's when. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, um, but I think the biggest interest um, of between chapter one and two is actually Kelsier talking to Dachshund because that's when we, that's to be expected because Kelsier and Dachshund seem more experienced and they seem to know a little bit more about the world. I mean, obviously they're probably like twice Vin's age. Kelsier is talking about, I mean, you know, he's the one who destroyed Lord Trusting's keep and then, uh, I'm sure he goes around and does that quite often. He kind of did nonchalantly. Yeah. Um, Kelsier, in my opinion, was actually my favorite character. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, I don't really like Vin so far because it's like, dude, we get it. Your brother betrayed you. <laughs> she said it like 20 times in one chapter. Um, That, I'm not going to lie to you, that won't go away for a while. Uh, really? It's not like it's not going to be brought up constantly, but it is driven home constantly, especially in the first book that she has a hard time trusting people because um, and I won't spoil anything of course, but her brother Reen was not good to her at all. (laughs) Um, Now, you know, maybe you're going to argue, okay, you know, he was 
there to make her tougher and stuff like that. And I'm not going to debate that. But, yeah, he was not a good dude. And neither was Kamen, you know. And so Reen left Kamen, or left Vin with Kamen, and he had a lot of debts. And now Kamen basically has Vin in essentially indentured servitude at this point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's kind of weird how all the debt just carries on from brother to sister. But well, someone has, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, you know, you're if you're a thief, somebody's got to pay for it, right? Like, there's no free drinks for anybody. And that, that was actually one of the big things that stuck out to me this time, too, uh, was that um, Kamen's crew are drinking because they're, like, celebrating or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then they said that uh, they're having drinks that Kamen is charging them for. Yeah. So it's, like, it's one of those things where, you know, he'll, you know, he'll give with one hand and take with the other. And it's, like, and he just keeps getting work out of you. And then you keep paying him for, you know, I'm sure rent for food and clothes and stuff like that. And then he'll charge an exorbitantly high price and he'll just keep you in his employee as an employee for forever. Basically he's got a great thing going, honestly. I think Vin doesn't even get paid. Does she? Well, no, she, uh, essentially not like, uh, they said to my understanding that, yeah, probably very little, if at all. I mean, I think, you know, if it's any food or something like that, it's probably like quote unquote paid for, and then Cause I beyond that, like, it's just paying off her brother's debt. Because I remember like uh, she got like a new shirt or something and it was going to get ruined because she was getting beat by uh, Kamen. Mm-hmm. Not beat, but like hit. Um, She's like, stop doing that. I haven't gotten a new shirt in so long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, it, like I said, this, it, I didn't realize how messed up it was. There were, I think Kelsey was talking about that so much ash falls that like they, they had to like clean it up and like throw it yeah. in the river. Um, interesting thing though. And I have no idea where all the ash comes from. Well, they did say ash mounts that the ash mounts were like extra active more recently. And I'm oh. guessing ash mounts are a lot like volcanoes or, or this world's version of a volcano, because, you know, ash mount mountain. Yeah. Um, now if it's a mount, if it's a volcano that literally just spits out ash, then, you know, I mean, and that and that could be it, but so far I don't know if we know if uh, the ash leaves or it, it stops raining ash at night and the mm-hmm. mist comes out. But there ha- there seems to be some something between the mist and the ash. Like there's a mist at the nighttime and there's ash during the daytime, and people are scared of the mist. Yeah, which is weird. Uh, which is weird because and I know they mentioned like in the prologue. The ska mentioned mist race that they're scared of mist race, yeah. but um, and I who knows it could be that the noblemen and in, like intentionally spread lies about the mist, and I mean it, it may not even be lies; it could be mist race that are like actually bad to get caught up with. Mm-hmm. But it could be the noblemen uh, created like this propaganda to keep and as another way of keeping the ska kind of oppressed and keeping indoors, them inside. yeah. Because, you know, in the dark, it's a lot easier to plot and plan in the dark. You know, you find a corner under a tree somewhere that maybe you can meet every single day and it's harder to get caught. Uh, But now if all of a sudden your entire populace is scared to go out during the dark, then you have that problem solved right there. But yeah, so I think uh, one 
one thing of note, they did mention that Kelsier was half ska. Yeah. Obviously, based off the prologue, uh, they said something like, whenever the noblemen find the women and they have their way with them, uh, they have laws. They have very strict laws that you have to kill them. Yeah, I know. So there's no half-breeds. Mm-hmm. And so obviously some probably get lazy with that. I think they said trusting was like very, very strict. And he's like very by the book, by the rules. And he makes sure that he will kill the women after he's done with them for yeah. lack of a better term. Um, so yeah, sounds like Kelsier's um, mother was through that. Now we don't know if she was like a farmer ska or if she was like, you know, a city ska because it does seem like farmer ska is not the only ones. You got like, you know, the ska servants who are probably like inside the keep. And then obviously these skas who are in the uh, Luthadel, the main city. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Like everybody's so afraid of mist and mist race and the movie and the not movie. The book is called Mistborn, and the people who use the magic is called mistings. So I don't know how it all ties in together. I, yep. I haven't read a book. So there it is. There it is. That's where the first, that's like literally the first question. I remember when I first read it, that was my first question was, okay. And that's why I'm not even, that's why I don't think it's a spoiler for me to say there's something going on with the Ash and the Mist because, you know, the book is called Mistborn. And then the, there's a thick mist that comes out uh, at night. And then there's something, some mystery things, which as of this moment, we don't know if that's some, you know, empire propaganda. Yeah. Um, or if that's something real or hell, it might even be some ska superstition, right? Like, yeah, it could be. Um, one of the big things uh, that I noticed, and I noticed this back first time too, was um, the depiction of the people who are oppressed, right? Um, the people who are oppressed, there's like two classes, quote unquote, within those people. There's the young who haven't been oppressed as long, and they have a sense of dignity and pride and rebelliousness. So they want to fight against that. Um, and then there, on the other end, there is the old who've been oppressed for so long that there's just, they don't see any end in sight. You know, they have no hope, stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's pretty reminiscent of like, you know, slavery times. The people who are young were more willing to fight they were more hopeful and they're more ready for these kind of, you know, rebellions. So it looks like Kelsier is putting together some form of rebellion. It doesn't, I mean, that has to be dangerous to work. You know, you're a ska who's jumping around different towns, different keeps, different farms, and you're infiltrating into another ska's like farms just to spread news and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, only Kelsier. Yep. Like yeah. I said, he's like a baller walking in, just killing the, killing trusting, walking out. So I guess we still have some time left. Uh, I, I did want to go over the epigraphs. I, I don't know if they're called epigraphs or epithats or something like that, but basically it's the beginning paragraphs that show up on every chapter yep. in italics. Um, so based, So here's my prediction from someone who's never read it. Prologue, chapter one and two. Um, 
all hinted that it was from a time before the ash and a long time ago because he's talked about um mountains overlooking valleys of grass or something like that i don't remember exactly what he said but um it was pretty clear that there was no ash um and it was before the time of like all this darkness and stuff in a better place and so one of the things that sticks out to me is that it's first person, like so it's like somebody writing into a journal. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the rest of the book obviously is like third person. Uh, but right off the bat, the prologue they mention the word. What would they think if they knew that the champion, the hero of ages, their savior, doubted himself? Now, this is not a spoiler. Again, um, hero of ages is book three. Yep in the trilogy so i remember reading and this is why like this book when i first read it it was like just enough like drip feeding you information little by little kind of like a crackhead just keeping (laughs) you strung along you know just saying stuff like that that piqued my interest like okay prologue you know because i doubt that he just sat down and wrote everything out so he had this he's very organized you know brandon sanderson is yep uh, he has a lot of the outlines laid out and then, you know, he might diverge here and there, but for the most part, to my understanding, he kind of keeps with the outline. This was his first book though, wasn't it? It wasn't his first book, but it was, I think his first major series, which okay. is why you can see that he's aged and grown way more experienced as a writer mm-hmm. because even like into Well of Ascension, which full disclosure, Well of Ascension was my least favorite book in the trilogy. And we'll get to why probably when we finish the first book. But Well of Ascension, the style of writing had improved still. And then Hero of Ages was much better, even better. I do think that um, even coming from Harry Potter, just reading it, I think like this book, even though it's meant to be adult or kind of young adult. It's like a bridge between young adult and adult. In between it still feels a little bit juvenile in the dialogue a little bit, but in the actual description and non-dialogue, like basically everything else, it's pretty uh, adult. So Yeah, um, I don't disagree with that. I think... I think like a lot of the characters that talk, they talk as if though they don't know each other, like Dachshund and Kel, in my opinion. Um, I didn't get that vibe at all from them. So what do you mean by that? Because, like, they they explicitly say each, like, name. For example, I don't remember any of the names that they mentioned um, for whenever they were, like, inviting uh, those guys. But, mm-hmm. uh, it's like... Oh, you're saying that dialogue is kind of like... It's as if though it's talking to the reader. Almost, yeah. Right? Yeah. I have to agree with that. And yeah. I did notice that because when they were describing some of the... Um, I think they were looking for a smoker. Mm-hmm. And then they said that that smoker had died or something like that. There were some other descriptions where it kind of felt like you should know that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it did feel like it was a dialogue more meant for the reader to kind of pick up on than it was for the two characters naturally talking to each yeah. other. So I, I do agree with that. Um, at the same time, though, I kind of appreciate it. You know, <laughs> as a, if you're getting into the universe and uh, you don't really know what's going on, then it's. 
uh, one of the things that I have a problem with Wheel of Time is that they throw out so many names at you. So many names. I'm never going to read Wheel of Time. Yes, you <laughs> made it very clear. I'm not, I, I'm not even going to try and talk you into reading that. But they throw so many names at you. And it's just, it becomes so overwhelming. So this is kind of a breath of fresh air coming back to this after reading Wheel of Time for the past like year or so. But yeah, I can say um, pretty confidently that I think the questions that you have going into it are the right questions. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the right questions. And um, yeah, but that was, that was a good pickup there on the actual dialogue itself. Yeah. Uh, that it's not exactly that they're talking too naturally. And I think, and again, I think that's something that he improves on later, especially in uh, Well of Ascension and then even further still in Here of Ages. So as I thought more, I I did like remember an example. So whenever Ulef in the beginning of chapter one, he was like, hey, Vin, get down here. Come, Kevin is going to get angry, get angry at you. <laughs> He's going to be very angry at you. Um, it's like, do you have to say his name every time? You could just say, dude, he's going to get angry. Just get down here. You know, it's like, yeah, I understand why it happens, but it's just really unnatural. Coming from Harry Potter was the best dialogue in the world, in my opinion. Okay. Again, another disclaimer. My brother's, that's like his only series he's read. Percy Jackson. Uh, again, only series he's read. <laughs> I mean, continue magic tree has to <laughs> okay oh okay again only series he's read um but yeah it's just like kind of unnatural coming from harry well potter, you've so. you're reading the harry potter books now um you just finished the seventh book like within the last month or two yeah right so at that point you know all the characters that you are supposed to know mm-hmm Basically, every character that you were supposed to know, there weren't many new characters. Now you're coming into a brand new universe That's with true. a magic system you don't know, locations you don't know. It's not even the Earth, right? So it's not even like, you know, you can say London like you can in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's cities, like just the world, every single thing is new. So some of this kind of description, while yes, it's not the best form of writing. And again, I do think that a lot of that had improved mm-hmm. going to the second book. Um, it, I, I don't think that that's, uh, a fair comparison, I think, because, you know, yeah, obviously Harry Potter book seven is not going to be talking, the characters are not going to be talking to each other, introducing new characters to you as a reader in an unnatural way. Well, here's an example. So like in first book of Harry Potter, no one says Voldemort's name, you know, everybody's like, you know who, you know who, and you're wondering like, Who's this? You know who? And then Dumbledore's like, <sighs> and then Dumbledore's like, hey, this is Voldemort. Don't be afraid of saying his name and all that stuff. Um, but in this, instead of saying like, oh, he's one of them, they say, oh, he's a misting. It's like, well, if you say he's one of them in this world, you probably understand what he's trying to say. You know what I, I mean? get what you're trying to say, but I feel like it's, that this book has so much more mystery already that like it's if nitpicking. You add, at, if you add extra, yeah. yeah, I'm just nitpicking at this point. But. No, that's fair. Um, you know, all opinions are welcome, even wrong ones. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's that that's definitely a fair one. I, I did notice it, especially the second time around, which is why I'm kind of surprised you did for your <laughs> first time around because I don't I don't think I picked up on that at all. Um, but. Yeah, I, I I am really excited to get back into it. Uh, but 
One of the things I did notice in the chapter one that I want to touch on from the epigraphs, which I, thought I highlighted it on my notes, I said, well, that escalated quickly. Um, I'll read out the whole thing. I consider myself to be a man of principle, but what man does not? Even the cutthroat. I have noticed, considered his actions moral after a fashion. Perhaps another person reading of my life would name me a religious tyrant. He could call me arrogant. What is to make that man's opinion any less valid than my own? I guess it all comes down to one fact. In the end, I'm the one with the armies. So this guy's like kind of debating whether or not he's good or bad. And then at the end, he's just like, well, I get to decide the final opinion because I'm the one with the armies after all. Like I, that that just like, kind of made me laugh a bit. He's uh, like, everybody's got an opinion, you know, but it doesn't matter what their opinion is because I can just kill them with my army. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the... Um, if men read these words, so this is chapter two, epigraph. If men read these words, let them know that power is a heavy burden. Seek not to be bound by his chains. The terrorist prophecies say that I will have the power to save the world. They hint, however, that I will have the power to destroy it as well. Now, see, if I'm a prophetic teller, holder of prophecies, whatever it is you want to call it, I would not want to say something like, by the way, you might have the power to destroy the world. <laughs> Just saying, like, why would you want to put that kind of pressure on the next chosen one, right? Like, like imagine, imagine in Harry Potter, if the prophecies say he could kill Voldemort, but there's also a possibility he becomes the next Voldemort. Like, <laughs> come on. That's why Dumbledore held it back. He was, oh. Okay, I'm not going to go into details in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. Yeah, though, um, the epigraphs, definitely. Man, those things are a thing of beauty. Trust me. The they are well written. I will say that. The, yeah, uh, the epigraphs are very well written. They keep you going. Um, uh, the epigraphs in book two were the best, in my opinion. The book three was probably the most shocking. They were all especially shocking. But the book two ones, I remember going, what? At the end. Like, they're, at the they're, end of book two? Yeah, at the end of book two. Well, because... Okay, I, I won't go into further details out of fear of spoilers, but book two's epigraphs were, mwah, oh, they were beautiful. So, readers, if you're not fully hooked yet, first of all, you're only into chapter two if you're following along with us. If you are not hooked yet, understand the epigraphs. Take that and inject that straight into my veins because I love that. I cannot get enough of those, and I really hope the Stormont Archive has those. I mean, I was talking myself to my brother earlier, like I was getting pretty bored of this book, to be honest. Um, but I think it just takes some will to get through it. I mean, just like, just give it a chance. I haven't read it, but from what I've heard from like everybody, this is a good book. Um, so just give it a chance, at least from what I've heard from my brother and other people till the end of part one. And if not, part two at most. If you don't like it by then. Yeah, I'd I say end of part two. Like if you if you made it as far as end of part two and you really don't like it, like I'm not sure there's anything else that the book can do differently for you. End of part one. Understand, it's only eight chapters, right? So we're into chapter two. So we're a quarter way there. Yeah. You know, so it's not that much longer. End of part one, I, I and there is a good stuff that happens halfway, almost end of part two. Mm -hmm. um, that should keep you guys interested. And then, yeah, after that, I think 
then at that point you'll most likely fall in love with the world. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to about do it for us uh, for this episode. Next week, I think we're going to try and cover, let's see. Let's go over how long these actually are. Chapter three is about 40, not 40. Uh, this is through the ebook. 40, then 50. Prologue was, oh wow. This, this one, this one, this one's 40. Ebook is tiny. One, yeah, so I don't, I think it should be fine. Next week, we'll do chapters three, four, and five, just to continue the whole three chapter um, pattern that we have going so far. And again, we're going to tweak the number of chapters. Maybe it might be that the two chapters have so much going on that we can't really feasibly cover a third chapter in that time. Yeah, it all just depends on the length and the content. And honestly, how good we are at talking about the everything. So. Yeah. Until next time, keep giving us feedback, please, guys. Uh, share this to anybody you, th- you think will like it. Um, I have not set up a Twitter or a Patreon or a Facebook page or Instagram or anything like that. Hell, I don't even have a full cover art yet. So until I get all that stuff done, um, I will let you guys know. But, yep, thanks, everybody. Thank you.